This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Need to Know. Real talk about unidentified anomalous phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coulthard. From the U.S., Bryce Zabel. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Need to Know. I'm Bryce Zabel, and I am on the road. I started, I think, last week in Roswell for the Roswell Festival. I'm now road tripping through Las Vegas, and I'm on my way back to Los Angeles. Probably will be there by the time you folks get around to watching this. But in any case, I wanted to not only welcome my partner in crime here, Ross Coulthard, but to congratulate him. Ross, I got to tell you, man, I just got back from Roswell, and a little podcast named, what was it? Oh, yeah, Need to Know won Best Web Series at the Roswell Film Festival. So congratulations. That's great to hear, mate. Congratulations back to you. Another one for the man cave. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> you know, we will yeah. fit it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I do. I actually do have your, um, you know, your little uh, trophy or whatever. I'm afraid to send it to you, knowing what the mail costs between our two countries, but I'll give it to you in person when you're next here. Um, anyway, it was uh, it was a, a lovely festival, and and I have to say, not only is it hot in Roswell, but it's interesting in Roswell because here is a place that, uh, what was it, uh, 47, no, 46 years ago, I'm all mixed up with my math. 76 or 77 years ago, had the Roswell crash happened there. And for years, uh, the people at Roswell had been having the parades and the, the, the little green costumes and all that kind of stuff. And they still do that, don't get me wrong. But there's a new sense in Roswell that actually, they don't have to sort of pretend or apologize or cover up. They actually are the place where this thing happened. And it did happen with a, a non-human intelligence. And we know that, Ross, because in your exclusive interview with Dave Grush, he basically said so. Sure, he did. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a, a real possibility now that Roswell needs to be properly investigated by the congressional oversight committees. And I guess that's what we should make our focus about very much today, Bryce, is the the possibilities, the speculation that there's going to be some kind of congressional hearing or hearings. But before I go any further, mate, I've, I've sure. just got to ask you, yeah. are you in a house? Is, is that a casino <laughs> entrance or something? You know Listen, what you're man, doing? I'm in Las Vegas. <laughs> you, you, you are perpetuating the mythology that I grew up with watching 90210, that gorgeous, yeah. what was her name, Jenny Garth. 
And, and it always seemed to me that every house in America was always gigantic. And, and we mere mortals down in the Antipodes would look <laughs> on in awe at these gigantic American houses. <laughs> well, this is a large house. It, it kind of looks like I'm in a hotel lobby uh, right now, the way I've got it framed. Uh, but it's a, a beautiful house. Las Vegas, uh, the the uh, housing prices are very good here, as, as you may know. And also, uh, a lot of people move here because they don't have to pay state income tax. So you really have... Uh, you know, just a lot of uh, people who are living basic lives here and are not living on the strip and they're not gamblers, just a, it's a basic city. And um, and I'm very happy to be here. Uh, this is a, a, a it's it's pretty lovely, I have to admit. But I will say this, Ross, I could tell you that all American houses look like this, but you know better. So I'm very lucky to be here and I'm going back to my own smaller house soon. So let's talk about this. I mean, since you and I last spoke, obviously, there's the ongoing ramifications of the David Grush interview that I did with David and uh, Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal did with David. And it's well over a month now since David gave his interview. And we know that there's been really no significant attempt at all by the Pentagon to lay any serious glove on his credibility as a witness. And I think the, the public are fast coming to the realisation that there's something here. Uh, I think perhaps let's start with the extraordinary comments made by Senator Marco Rubio. And oh. I, I think the uh, the interview he did with News Nation on the 24th of June is probably going to go down as a historical turning point. Basically, when he was asked about the allegations of David Grush, he said, look, most importantly, more importantly, the Inspector General, and he means of the intelligence community, has referred it to Congress. So they got, they go to the Inspector General of the intelligence community and they have an obligation, if they found it, if they find it to be an urgent concern, a credible and urgent concern, their job is to refer it, that's Mr. Grush's allegations, to Congress. And they have done so. Um, and then he goes on, it's really interesting, is that the gist of any whistleblower testimony is that the intelligence agencies are doing something wrong. And in his case, and this has been publicly reported, the argument is that what they're doing wrong is they're not appropriately disclosing to Congress money that has been spent on programs and the like. Now, I want to caution everybody that under the law, you have to have first-hand knowledge. That doesn't mean the person isn't telling the truth, but it simply means technically as a technicality, if you don't have first-hand knowledge of what you're claiming, so I can say that someone told me something, did something wrong, and I have good reason to believe it because I've heard it from a lot of different people, and they're saying the same thing, but unless you have first-hand knowledge of it, sometimes you can get caught in a technicality. And that doesn't mean the things he's saying are not useful to the Congress. Sure. But either what he's saying is partially true or entirely true, or we have some really smart, educated people with high clearances and very important positions in our government who are crazy <laughs> and leading us on a goose chase. You know, one, um, of, one of these things is true. The, the Rubio interview, I've seen all of the interviews that Marco Rubio has done, and this one really was a, a, a cut above. In addition to everything that you just said, I wrote down a couple of things that he mentioned that really stood out to me. You were talking about the fact that there are other whistleblowers, which he confirmed. Not only did he say that Dave Grush sounded pretty 
uh, pretty authentic, but he said that there were other people, some of whom had firsthand experience of this technology. It's a pretty radical thing to say. And uh, he was trying to protect some of these people who are coming forward under the Whistleblower Protection Act. And one thing he said in particular, that this one I did write down, he said, some of these people still work in the government. And frankly, many of them are fearful, fearful of their jobs, fearful for their clearances, and uh, fearful at harm coming to them. I mean, this is getting very, very serious. And well, it, it, also, it does, it does yeah. corroborate, as you say, it's corroborating yeah. what David Grush told me, which yeah, is absolutely. that there are witnesses who fear for their lives. Their lives yeah. are being threatened. Ross, that interview, people. That, that interview you did, uh, not only did it ricochet around the world at nearly the speed of light, I will tell you this, I went to Roswell, as we just said, to give a speech, and my speech I started two months earlier was called Close Encounters of the Hollywood Kind. Well, frankly, uh, you threw a bomb into the middle of my speech, too, because by the time I got to Roswell, I realized nobody wanted to hear that speech. So I ended up talking about David Grush. Uh, the entire time and taking questions. And people are really intrigued by him. They believe him by and large. Uh, I didn't see anybody there I thought that was overly critical. And they know that more is coming. And uh, boy, I, I we'll get into this more as we go forward today, but I don't think in my lifetime there has ever been a time where things feel as imminent as they do now. Now, I realize there are people that say all the time, well, they put it back in the box before, let's not get ahead of ourselves, they might do it again. But nothing has ever looked on the political and social and cultural landscape the way this thing does right now. The issue of UFO, UAP reality is, while not on everybody's minds, it's on the minds of a lot of people who are very important and have very important positions. And these other people are coming forward to talk. And it is a great time to be alive. I agree with you. I mean, it's not just Senator Rubio who's making comments. You've got people from both sides of the House. Rubio, of course, is a Florida Republican, but uh, obviously Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has come forward in her own way. She's she's come up with this proposed legislation, a bill which would toughen up the reporting requirements on particularly private aerospace companies that may or may not be holding some kind of anomalous technology. And in the um, fiscal year 2024 Intelligence Authorization Act, she's proposing legislation which would require any person currently or formally under contract with the federal government that has in their possession material or information provided by or derived from the federal government relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena that formally or currently is protected by any form of special access or restricted access to notify the director of the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARO, within 60 days of enactment and to provide within 180 days, that's six months, quote, a comprehensive list of, and this is this is just so cool, and all non-Earth origin or exotic, unidentified, anomalous phenomena material possessed and to make it available to the Arrow Director for assessment, analysis, and inspection. That is proposed legislation 
being put before the Congress in the Intelligence Authorization Act as a bill for passing. And moreover, it has been unanimously supported by every member of the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence. I also understand the same language will be endorsed or has already been endorsed by the House Armed Services Committee. And I'm told that in the next few days, this coming week, the um, uh, uh, Senate Armed Services Committee will also endorse the same language. So you will have three of the most powerful oversight committees in the Congress endorsing legislation that in black and white is talking about non-Earth origin or exotic unidentified anomalous phenomena material and bringing it out into public view. It's astonishing. it, It is astonishing. Let's just take a moment here, folks, and consider this. There is legislation that is coming out of the U.S. Congress that talks about technology of non-Earth origin. I mean, wow. Uh, We've gone from the government telling us there's nothing to see here to the government demanding to know what people know. And I I just want to put one thing out there, Ross. You're talking about the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, that includes those two. I mean, it has a lot in it. You read a lot of it. I just want to highlight the two things that really jump out at me. Okay, first, you basically have to disclose what you've got if you've got something in 60 days. That's a two-month clock on somebody. And then you basically have to show your cards within 180 days in half a year. So we are talking about a, I guess what I would call it, an indirect disclosure that is currently on rails. And it does shock and amaze, and yet it is happening, folks. It's happening right now. And as to whether this legislation will pass, I know you could always argue, uh, well, we don't know if it'll make it out. But remember, this is the National Defense Authorization Act. The last two also had UAP language in them. It's something that has to be passed every year. Uh, the last two years, the Senate and the House both passed it and the president signed it. We can assume that quite likely that will happen again this year. That language that you're reading is likely to be passed as is or almost as is. It'll be passed by the Senate and the House, and it'll be signed by Joe Biden uh, sometime in December. Usually it comes around Christmas. It's the Christmas president of disclosure. And what it also means is that that's when the clock starts. From the moment that Biden takes a pen and signs something, then the clock starts on on the companies that might have information about this non-Earth technology to come forward. I'm still, I'm in shock. This broke when I was at the Roswell uh, Festival, and man, people are talking. You know, it's interesting. It's it's actually the Intelligence Authorization Act. This particular legislative amendment is under the Intelligence Authorization Act, so it's not under the NDAA. But I thought it was. uh, No, your point is well made, though. Um, A couple of other things that I'd love to point people to in this proposed legislation. It would actually require, as soon as a company comes forward with this information and reveals to Arrow that it is in possession of such technology... um, he would, the Arrow director, and that of course is Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, he would be obliged to notify the designated congressional committees and leaders within 30 days after receiving such notifications, information, or 
exotic materials. And the intelligence legislation also includes what might be called a safe harbour provision, providing that if such a person complies with the notification and make available deadlines, no criminal or civil action may lie or be maintained in any federal or state court against any person for receiving UAP-related material or information. Now, while that, well, the implications of that are enormous. Sorry to sound like a lawyer for a moment, but it suggests implicitly that if they don't come forward with this information, there could very well be criminal or civil action taken against private aerospace companies that don't honour their statutory obligation under this proposed bill. So it's essentially the Congress turning up the heat in quite a dramatic way. And yet again, my friend, I have to say, I wonder whether the Congress knows something. We know that David Grush has given evidence oh. in camera. We know that other witnesses from within the legacy program have allegedly also given evidence in camera, both to the Congress and also to the inspectors general. And so there's joint corroboration now, both before the inspectors general and the Congress from people who corroborate, allegedly, what Mr. Grush is saying, and the Congress knows this. And I think this is why we're seeing a very clear signal from people such as Senator Marco Rubio, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. All of a sudden, there's been a change of temperature. The Congress is turning up the heat. I, I don't actually wonder if Congress knows something. I believe strongly that they do, and that's what's uh, causing them to hit the gas pedal. Even Rubio, uh, in that interview we started talking about, said some of these claims are beyond the realm of anything we've ever dealt with. In other words, he's admitting these are pretty crazy things, but they hear them from, uh, they're hearing them from other people. And what he said when talking about the people who would back up what David Grush said, and this is a quote, he said, what incentive would so many people with that kind of qualification have to come forward and make something up? So I think the lights are coming on and uh, people are demanding information. Need to Know continues in a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes we use uh, the acronyms here and we don't explain them. So I do, you know, when we talk about Arrow, and the reason I'm doing this, by the way, Ross, is that we have so many new viewers now because of the, uh, the Grush situation that uh, I want to welcome them to the show and, and tell them that when we talk about Arrow, we are talking about a, a new government uh, group called the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. And that is the one that he was talking about run by Sean Kirkpatrick. And, um, I, you know, this legislation, by the way, to jump back to that, really feels like good cop, bad cop to me. The, the good message is, hey, if you tell us what you know, then we'll go easy on you and things will be OK. And if you don't, then the hammer's going to come down. And that is, let's face it, that's what prosecutors do to get people to talk. And, and it looks like our Congress has the same idea. So, wow. Uh, here we go. 
There is more. There is more in this in this proposed bill. The, the Gillibrand Amendment also has a sweeping prohibition on any future direct or indirect funding for any special access program activity related to unidentified anomalous phenomena, um, as that term is broadly defined in the law, and that includes, interestingly enough, transmedium objects, unless the program has been formally, officially, explicitly, and specifically described, explained, and justified to the appropriate committees of Congress, congressional leadership, and the director of Arrow. Now, this is important because it's absolutely explicit in the interview that I did with Mr. Grush, and it's explicit in allegations that go back many decades that there are allegedly secret crash retrieval, reverse engineering programs that are operating largely in private aerospace, but with the knowledge of key individuals in the defence and intelligence community uh, that have not been properly disclosed to Congress. And I can't begin to speculate about why, if this is true, such programs have been kept confidential. But what's interesting is the Congress, as a result of this legislation, is turning off the tap. Imagine that. Imagine if you're a private aerospace company and you've been funded secretly by a black program for, I don't know, 50, 60 years to try and reverse engineer technology that was gifted to you by the, st the federal government way back when, and all of a sudden you're told, no more funding, guys. All your security will no longer be paid for. All of the buildings, everything, the electricity, the gas bill, it's all being turned off until you fess up and admit that you have possession of this technology. What it implies explicitly is that the Congress is aware of a strong suspicion possibility that this might just be true. And this is where I'm just still incredulous, Bryce, and I'm sorry I sound like a scratchy record on this. I'm still incredulous that this is not yet attracting the interest of the front pages of major newspapers, because it is momentous. This is this is legislation that, that is basically damning private companies that are hiding information that ought properly to be within the purview of the Congress. Now, the, the one thing I do caution is, I'm told by my sources in Congress, it's going to take a while. I know a lot of people are hopeful that we'll see hearings in the next few weeks, but really there's only about two weeks left in the current sittings of the Congress before they all go away on holiday for the long summer in America. I am beginning to think that it might be decided that it would be better to put all the possibilities of hearings off until September. Sure. And I'd be I'd be very surprised if we're going to see substantive hearings before September. I know uh, Congressman Tim Burchett from Tennessee was hopeful that they might be able to have a public hearing before then, and that might happen. It might happen in the House Oversight Committee. But just to explain, and this is no disrespect to Congressman uh, Representative Burchett, the problem with the Oversight Committee is it just doesn't have the membership who have the credentials, the security clearances that are high enough, even in their own staffers, to allow them to hear a lot of the evidence that people like Mr. Grush would like to give. There are only certain key committees in the Congress, mainly the Armed Services and Intelligence Committees, that have the security clearances both in their membership and in their staff that allow them to hear highly classified information, particularly 
very classified special access programs. So I'm beginning to wager. I mean, we don't know yet for sure, but I'm I'm wagering that this is going to take a while and it might be a few months yet before we start seeing some answers. I, I completely agree. And the truth is, Ross, I can live without public hearings right now because uh, I'm, I want them to get a little more wound up and ready to have them because the last two have been uh, the one in on May 17th of 2022 uh, and then the most recent one. Um, the, the, to, to me, they were kind of, people call them nothing burgers. They were a little more than that. But obviously the Congress has one idea about what people can talk to them about uh, behind closed doors where everybody's classified and under oath and another where they're going to be public hearings. So I'd like them to get their act together. Burchette, by the way, was one of the speakers at Roswell. And, uh, you know, he clearly is chomping at the bit to talk about this. But uh, you are correct. There is a security issue between um, his committee and the Intel committees. Um, I, I, I will just say this, and, and you know, you're talking about sounding like a scratchy record. I'm afraid I'm going to do this too, but I just think the horse is out of the barn on this issue. Now, not everybody knows this yet, but um, I remember writing AD After Disclosure with Richard Dolan, and this was like a decade ago. And we kicked around the idea of, well, how is this actually all going to happen? And we were, we were always sort of hung up on the idea and as we put it, that disclosure of UFO, UAP reality was impossible. And yet at the same time, it was inevitable. And I personally think we are wrapping up the impossible part of this. Uh, for a number of people, it's becoming very clear that this is all true, or at least enough of it is true that it's mind boggling. And I think we are in the inevitable stage. We, we haven't had the disclosure that we're you know, no one's given us, uh, as I say, terabytes of uh, hard drives uh, with with all the evidence on it. But I don't need that. I want confirmation. And I think, honestly, uh, we're pretty close to official confirmation. And in terms of disclosure, I mean, come on. The, the reason that the, the senators and, and the, the Congress uh, people are talking the way they're talking is because they have heard things. They have heard about this reality. And what they're out to do right now is to find the way to tell that story. Uh, they want to know the details as well they should because a lot of them are super angry right now. They're super angry that it is starting to emerge that Congress uh, the representatives of the people of the United States of America have been kept in the dark, just like everybody else, for many, many, many decades. And they're not going to have it anymore. And frankly, I'm thrilled because I reached that conclusion about two decades ago myself. I'm just not going to have this anymore. You're mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, I think. Is kind of. Right? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, listen, Russ, it's like, okay, look, we have to pay lip service to the idea that, well, you know, we got to wait for all the evidence to come in and we have to check things out. But let's face it. David Grush, for one, was well vetted. You vetted him uh, very well. I saw you do it. I know the work you put into it. Also, Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal did the same thing. We know that David Grush, as you said, nobody has really laid a glove on the guy when it comes to tarnishing who he is or why he was qualified. So then you have to look at what he's saying. And what he is saying is, again, crash wreckage, intact craft, 
bodies and reverse engineering largely through aerospace companies. And let's face it, there are 10 or 12 or 15 or God knows how many people behind him because there is a, a sense among not everybody on the inside, but enough people on the inside that this simply can't continue any longer. And the question, I think, is no longer uh, whether it's true or not, at least to me, but are we going to rip the Band-Aid off all at once and just kind of soak in whatever the reality is, or are we going to try to meter out that reality? Because that seems to be what's going on right now. People are confirming by degrees that we are dealing with, as Dave Grush put it, a non-human intelligence and probably more than one. Well, wow. Let's get on with that. Man. You know, it's, it's funny, though, Bryce, because whilst I think you're right, I think it's true that the Congress will eventually get to learn the truth about these allegations because they already have the truth sitting in transcripts of witness depositions that have already been given. There's still a big question in my mind as to whether or not the people presiding in the various congressional committees will take the view that the public, the American public, and indeed the rest of the world should be told what they know. And and I think eventually, if as this law, this proposed law requires, the director of Arrow has to notify the congressional committees and leadership, eventually, of course, it will leak from within the oh. Congress. But I just want to draw your attention to a provision that's in this proposed legislation that I think goes to the heart. It's very much a statement of intent by certain uh, Senator uh, Gillibrand and the members of the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence. It's called the Sense of Congress subsection. And it sets out, if you like, the motivations for why the committee, and indeed now three committees, if I'm right, are taking this view and turning up the heat to try and get to the truth. They assert that, quote, due to the increasing potential for technology surprise from foreign adversaries and to ensure sufficient integration across the United States industrial base and avoid technology and security stovepipes, the federal government must expand awareness about any historical exotic technology antecedents previously provided by the federal government for research and development purposes. So there are implications behind this, my friend. It suggests implicitly that the federal government has lost track of historical exotic technology antecedents that were previously provided by it to somebody in private aerospace. I actually suspect the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And is the government, is Joe Biden, as president, is he aware of the implications behind this legislation? Because, frankly, it makes him and his leadership look ridiculous. You've got a government. Are they in charge? Who's in charge? I mean, the Congress, if it's not careful, will make a political mountain out of this. It's why Senator Rubio's jumped on this, I'm sure. He can see political capital in the fact that the government is being less than honest with its electorate. Clearly, the Congress has already become aware of something, and clearly both sides of the House decide now, both in the um, in the chamber, uh, sorry, in the House and also in the Senate, um, they've clearly decided to take a bipartisan view on this. And this is what's being missed. I, I really don't get why uh, both the political leadership, the executive leadership in America, the president and his um, security advisors aren't seizing the bull by the horns and saying, you know what, 
We've got to get out ahead of this because otherwise this is going to become a political game and people will exploit it for political advantage. I don't care if uh, Congress decides that they maybe shouldn't tell the public, because if they don't, uh, we're going to tell ourselves what's going on and we'll vote the whole lot of them out of office if they don't cooperate. Um, so I'm not as worried about that. I do think, though, um, it's it's easy and it's tempting because God knows we need some bipartisan cooperation in this world. And every time we see something that might be labeled as bipartisan, it feels good. It makes me happy when I see uh, people on both sides of the aisle cooperating. And it is true for every Marco Rubio, there's a Kirsten Gillibrand. And for every Tim Burchett, there's an Andre Carson. Um, on the other hand, though, I don't hear as many Democrats speaking out about this as I do Republicans. And I certainly don't see um, uh, the media that you might expect to be, uh, you know, looked at as something supporting blue states or Democrats speaking out as much as I've seen some of the uh, the, the more conservative media. So I, I hope it does become completely bipartisan because God knows if there's any issue in the entire universe that ought to bring people together, it ought to be that the fact that we realize we're not alone and there are other non-human intelligences not out there someplace, but right here on earth. So whatever, but I do have a question for you, uh, Ross, as you've read this astonishing language and and honestly, I, I, I feel like both of us and everyone else I'm talking to these days, we, we sort of have to pinch ourselves and say, is this, is this actually happening right now as fast as it appears to be happening? Anyway, you read that astonishing language. And that what I started asking myself is, who actually wrote that language? And I know that there's been people talking about, well, maybe Mellon did, maybe Elizondo, maybe Grush. But I feel like my friend uh, and investigator, Ross Goldhart, might actually know who, who had a hand in it. What do you think? Oh, look, I, I know it's come, of course, from Senator Gillibrand and the uh, the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence. And I'm told that it's a, a unanimous piece of bill uh, legislation proposed by the SSCI. And it's extraordinarily significant that the House Armed Services Committee, and I'm told pretty soon the Senate Armed Services Committee, three of the most powerful committees in Congress are going to get behind it. There's, there's one other bit of legislation proposed, though, mate, which I love it, but I think it's got Buckley's chance, as we say in Australia, of getting okay. up. And it's an amendment proposed by Tim Burchett, God bless him. And he put up an amendment which requested that no later than 180 days after the enactment of this act, the Secretary of Defence shall declassify any documents and other records in the possession of the Department of Defence relating to publicly known sightings of UAP. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Good on you, Tim. I, I'm all for it, but I think there's Buckley's chance ever of that kind of legislation passing. Can you imagine how much data they must have? Oh, um, well, uh, I agree. On UAP. That doesn't sound likely, but, you know, I always hold your feet to the fire, not on your UFO speculations, but on your your phrases like Buckley's chance. you got to run that past me. Who's Buckley and why does he give a chance about this? Oh, my God, I've forgotten who Buckley was. It's an Australian saying, and I've, I've got no idea. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm sure some of our Australian viewers will be able to elucidate us. Listen, well, there's one other bit of um, yeah. legislation that is coming up by June next year. I think by June next year, if this legislation is enacted, if this, goes, if this bill goes into the uh, intelligence uh, laws uh, at the end of this year, 
um, it does mean that June 2024 is very much going to be a D-Day because also in June 2024, don't forget that the NDAA, the National Defence Authorisation Act, is also requiring ARO, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, to provide by the twenty, the end of June 2024, a comprehensive report to Congress on government involvement in UFO matters going back to January 1, 1945. The report is to include, among right. other things, any program or activity that was protected by restricted access that has not been explicitly and clearly reported to Congress, and any efforts to obfuscate, manipulate public opinion, hide, or otherwise provide incorrect unclassified or classified information about unidentified anomalous phenomena or related activities. That report is due at the end of June 2024. It requires the Comptroller General who heads the GAO, the um, Governmental Accounting Office, an arm of Congress to monitor the progress of the study and to periodically verbally brief designated lawmakers. And my thanks to uh, Dean Johnson for the comprehensive analysis that he's done on the implications of Senator Gillibrand's legislation, proposed legislation. This legislation, if it goes through in, in conjunction with the NDAA requirements for a report, it means that June next year, this time next year, uh, is going to be a momentous period in history because we will, by law, by order of the Congress, know, hopefully, or at least the Congress will know, what it is that the Pentagon and intelligence community knows. I, I expect that to be damn fine reading, and I'll be picking it up as soon as possible. But, folks, if you wanted some good reading on that topic before then, as I said, I just came back from Roswell where I met Graham Rendell, who is a, uh, an author and a researcher on this. And he's just written this book, which is called Dawn of the Flying Saucers, Aerial, Aerial UFO Encounters and Official Investigations, 1946 to 1949. And it's fascinating because, Russ, as we try to put in perspective, again, for our new viewers, uh, this may sound new and old ones may have heard this before, but you got to look at this thing in context. It didn't start in 2004 with the Nimitz tic-tac. It goes all the way back, which is why the Congress demanding that report be written uh, is, is so important. And you start to look through this and one thing becomes very clear. What was going on in the UFO field uh, going back to 1945, where that report is supposed to be written about? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. What was going on then was behind the scenes. In other words, people were seeing things and maybe they got to talk about it. But boy, if a pilot saw it or somebody else saw it, it got, they, you know, they grabbed the stuff, they classified it and they studied it privately. The only reason we know about half of what's in here is because of Freedom of Information Act requests. So to me, Ross, that's the big difference we're having right now. Right now, we've got the same kind of activity, but we have an alarmed constituency of 
congressmen and women and senators and, and frankly, high-level whistleblowers, uh, people within the government who want to talk about it in a way that just completely dwarfs uh, what was happening in those years that this report's coming out about. And I got to tell you, if the government puts out a report after all the time they had that is less well laid out than Graham Rendell's book, I'm going to be really ticked off because they've had the time and they actually have the ability to go get some of that information because it was their information they found in the first place. So, yeah. And, and just to echo, one of the concerns I know from ARO has been, to be fair to Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, its director, that it hasn't been properly resourced. It didn't have the full funding it needed to do the investigations it was required to do, particularly this exhaustive report, which frankly could be an enormous document. But I'm told now, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, to her great credit, and let's give the Senator a gold star for this monumental achievement, she's been able to secure full funding for Arrow. So Arrow can no longer bleat or complain that it doesn't have the money it needs to do its job. Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know. There is one conspicuous issue that isn't being discussed in the apparently, you know, broad support inside the Congress for this legislation to be backed, my friend. And you know what it is? It's the so-called HIPSI, the House mm. um, uh, Permanent Select Committee for Intelligence. And the HIPSI is dominated by Congressman uh, Michael Turner, a Republican from right. Ohio, and Jim Himes, a Democrat from Connecticut. They're the chairman and the ranking minority member on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And both of those men have made remarkably dismissive comments about the um, possibility that the government possesses right. secret alien technology. Well, I'm telling you, my friend, they haven't even read, I'm told, the transcripts of the evidence that has been given to them in evidence by witnesses. Both men made public comments that were remarkably ill-informed. And I have to question, why did the two ranking senior members of the HIPSI choose to make public comments that were so dismissive when I understand they hadn't even apprised themselves of the information and the veracity of the witnesses who've actually come forward with evidence. Why is the member from Ohio, which just, by the way, happens to include the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base within yep. its precincts, why would the member from Ohio, Michael Turner, choose to make such dismissive comments and not in any way overtly support this important piece of legislation? If there's nothing to hide... If there's nothing being concealed in secret bases somewhere, if there's not a private aerospace that has got a flying saucer or whatever it is hidden in its basement that was gifted to it by the government 50 or 60 years ago, what have Congressman Michael Turner, the Republican from Ohio, and Jim Himes, the Democrat from Connecticut, got to hide by not endorsing this legislation? Wouldn't you, if you were a committed member of the Congress who, after all, is on a, an 
Intelligence Oversight Committee that wants to hold the intelligence community's feet to the fire to make sure that public money is properly expended. Wouldn't you, as a responsible congressman, want to make sure that the public's money is being properly expended? Wouldn't you want to rule out the possibility that there has been some kind of improper use of public money and perhaps criminal or illegal activities used to conceal this activity? I mean, it's negligence. I, 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 I have heard both of those gentlemen interviewed on other topics where they seem fairly forthcoming and able to put string together important sentences and sound like they're in the know. And then I heard them talk about the UAP issue, and I was very disappointed for the, all the reasons you just laid out. It does call into question uh, exactly how the thing is going to lay down behind the scenes, because you do have people like uh, Gillibrand and Rubio, uh, we, who we talk about all the time, who are very upfront about it and very transparent, as much as they can be given the secrecy surrounding the subject. And then you have those two folks, uh, the congressmen, who just cannot be as dumb as they sound on this topic. And if they are as dumb as they sound, well, they wouldn't be as dumb. They might be as uninformed as they sound, in which case I'd have to say, why are you allowing that to happen? You have the ability to end it. And, you know, as long as we're talking about all the stuff that they should be boning up on, I mean, not only this report that goes back to 1945 and is coming out and, and is going to lay out sort of a, a history of, of UFOs, they could be doing that right now. And remember, uh, this whole thing got started uh, currently uh, with the two, 2017 New York Times uh, reporting uh, that sort of laid out uh, what Harry Reid had done. He'd gotten some $22 million to start investigations, working with a couple of other senators. And so the government was investigating UFOs even while it was saying it wasn't. And the name of the program it, it, it was the Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Applications Program, which is OSEP. You know, just something worth putting out there. I believe there were 50 full-time investigators and researchers at one time or another employed by OSAP. And according to our friend George Knapp, who wrote the, um, the foreword to this book I'm reading, uh, they covered some 200,000 cases. Those are recent cases. So listen, as I said, I'm done with pretending this isn't happening. It's happening, okay? There's been enough cases going back these 80, 90 years to, for me to believe that this is happening and it's legit. The question we're now trying to debate is how are we going to tell ourselves about it? And one of the, re and I say that Ross, only to try to answer your question about those two congressmen and how sort of negative they were. Maybe they're trying to slow things down. Maybe, uh, maybe a fast reveal has been discussed as being not to the best interest of the United States for various reasons uh, and, and, Maybe that's their opinion, uh, but but clearly uh, it, it is possible since what we know is that the phenomena is real. We may not know exactly what the details behind it are, and maybe they're incredibly unpleasant or incredibly damaging to the status quo, which wouldn't surprise me at all. And maybe that's why they're mum. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, you mentioned earlier the Senator Rubio comments where he was talking about the fact that Mr. Grush is backed by allegedly first-hand witnesses. And I just want to read some of the comments that Senator Rubio made specifically because they are very, very important. Um, he said, 
I will say that there are people that have come forward to share information with our committee, that's the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence, over the last couple of years. I would imagine some of them are potentially some of the same people that perhaps he, that's Mr. Grush, is referring to. I want to be very protective of these people. A lot of these people came to us even before these protections were in the law for whistleblowers to come forward. And then News Nation interrupted and said, what, people who have had first-hand knowledge? who claim to have first-hand knowledge of seeing this type of thing. And that's in the context of crash retrievals and reverse engineering programs. And Senator Rubio answers, or have first-hand knowledge or first-hand claims of certain things. Some are public figures, you know, and you've heard from them in the past. Others, you know, have not shared publicly. And so we're trying to gather as much of that information as we can. And the reason why I'm being cautious, I'm not trying to be evasive, but I'm trying to be protective of these people. Some of these people still work in the government. And frankly, a lot of them are very fearful, fearful of their jobs, of their clearances, of their career. And some, frankly, are fearful of harm coming to them. And so I want to be very sure very sort of, you know, respectful of that because I don't want to discourage others from coming forward. This is from the, the, the vice chair of the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence. He's talking about witnesses who are first-hand witnesses to a crash retrieval reverse engineering program, and he's admitting that some of them fear for their lives. Now, that's a story. That's something that really should be being covered by mainstream media. It really is getting quite suspicious now, Bryce, the circumstances under which, with the exception of News Nation and a couple of other news networks, this is a largely ignored story in the mainstream press. I don't understand it because these are dramatic allegations from Senator Rubio. They, they go so much further than he or anyone has ever gone before. It's inordinately significant, and it, it needs to be investigated. It's it's inordinately significant is a good way to put it. And I would say th the reason we're in this reality that we're in right now is because they did such a good job over these last eight, nine decades at creating the twin pillars uh, of, of the cover-up, which are denial and ridicule. And so now, even now, with all this new information coming out, there's still that stigma. There's still that sense that this isn't a serious topic. Uh, you can't really talk about aliens or non-human intelligence because, wow, that, that will make me look like I'm buying into conspiracy theories. And it's getting old and uh, it's going away. It won't go away as fast as I'd like it to go away or th that you would like it, but it is by degrees being peeled off. Um, but it is still a powerful thing. The stigma is so powerful. And I look for every opportunity uh, when I see uh, news in the, in the um, legacy media where they don't play the X-Files theme and they don't talk about little green men and they don't mention tinfoil hats to compliment those people for not doing it. It's time to move on to the actual issue, which is we're being visited, folks. We don't know a lot about who it is. Uh, we need to know more. But uh, I am not one of those people who's going to buy into the concept that we should be very careful. I'm not sure if people can really handle it. Maybe we can't handle it. But I'll tell you what I really can't handle. I can't handle being lied to about it any longer. And I think a lot of people I talk to can't handle it either. So 
Uh, you know, I know we're out of town. I'm going to close with this then. Rip the damn Band-Aid off and let's see what's underneath. That's my take. Well, I'm going to close by saying that people should look at a fantastic interview that a very admirable rear admiral called Tim Galluday, a former United States Navy rear admiral, no less, gave to my good friend and colleague, Matt Ford, on the Good Trouble Show. And I have to say, I want to take my hat off to former servicemen and serving servicemen and women like uh, Rear Admiral Tim Golliday, who's an extraordinarily senior former member of the US Navy. And in that interview with Matt Ford, I was left in absolutely no doubt that Tim Gulliday concedes the possibility that from what he's seen during his secret work accessed to special access programs inside the US Navy, he's apprised of information that makes him think that possibly we are not alone. And in the same interview, he also talked about the credibility of the Admiral Wilson document. It's a very important interview because one of the things with this story is it can be formidably complicated. It's very difficult because there are faces, there are, there are names, there are issues that need to be explained. And that's why people should buy my book, of course, and yours. Yes. Um, but um, but the, the simple fact is that I really commend to people this excellent interview that was done on The Good Trouble Show with Matt Ford, with Tim Galladay, because this is a brave man. This is a guy who's a rear admiral retired in the US Navy coming forward to discuss what he knows and what he believes as a result of the knowledge he's gained at a very high level. He was the head of the NOAA, the National Oceanographic uh, Institute. And um, it's amazing to me that the guy who's been in charge of a key US government body is willing to say the things that he's saying. So I'll just leave people with that thought today that there's very good reason for optimism. There's a lot happening. It's impossible to keep track of it all at the moment. And I apologize to anybody viewing this who's tried to contact me in recent weeks. I am just overwhelmed absolutely overwhelmed with people wanting me to talk to them, wanting me to engage with them. I'm very, very happy to talk to you and I will get back to you when I can. But please understand the volume of inquiries and messages I'm getting is just absolutely overwhelming. So I'm pretty sure that what Ross is saying is if you are graphing his uh, internet email, it's going like this and then suddenly Grush comes and now it's like, as they say, off the charts. Well, listen, Ross, you go ahead and answer all those emails, but just remember to answer <laughs> mine because we have a show to do all the time. Uh, it's We're in an incredible time. History is changing before us. Uh, I'm glad that we're here to, to bear witness. I think that's what we're doing. We are bearing witness right now to this incredible change that is about to come to the world and um you know you're you're part of doing that ross with your book first but with grush absolutely amazing and and again for those of you um who wonder i i think both ross and i are very convinced that dave grush is the real deal listen to him all right i'm out of here see you next time Need to Know is a joint production of Stellar Productions and Powerful Owl Productions. The producer is Rich Johnson. Want more? Find more at needtoknow.today. That's needtoknow.today. Today.